Hey everybody, this is Cameron. Just wanted to break in real quick to let you know how much we appreciate the feedback and the support uh, that we received after the first podcast. Also, I needed to let you know that we had to switch up the schedule last minute and we're going to have Tyler Ramos from SCS Tracer on the podcast next week to talk about ammonia operator training and some of the other services that SCS offers. If you haven't found us on social media yet, you can find us at HVACR Radio on Instagram or at the HVACR Radio group on Facebook. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Welcome back to the HVACR (laughs) Radio Podcast. My name's Cameron. With me tonight, we have again, Chad. Say hi, Chad. How's it going? We got Ulysses. Howdy. And Ruben. What's going on? What have you guys been doing this week? Working. <laughs> That's working a good hard. thing. Or Any? hardly working. One of oh, the two. Oh, I knew that was coming from you. <laughs> I've been stuck um, cleaning coils, uh, some VRF coils at a um, facility that grows a virus inside moths and larvae. And I had to clean a bunch of dead moths. Out of a uh, couple coils. Moths. Moth. Moth. Moths. Moths. It's hard to say. Yes. What, are they plugging up the evaporator coil? Drain pan. Oh. Scooping them out. Mm. With a shovel? With my hand. I <laughs> <laughs> mm, hope you wash those hands. Nope. Nice. Chad? Uh, lots of PMs this week. It's been raining so far. So, PMs. Trying to get those done. What about you, Ruben? Anything exciting this week? Not work-wise, really. I've uh, I've been doing uh, a lot of my follow-ups. You've been, um, you've been just come on, bro. You've just been biding your time. <laughs> so I um, so that's the good news. Yeah, I recently uh, put in my two weeks' notice here at the company that I'm working at, and so. I've been knocking out all my uh, follow-ups that I've had. Uh, parts ordered for or labor that I need to go back and verify proper operations of a system. But So you've been properly sabotaging all of the equipment <laughs> before you leave? I will neither confirm nor deny that, but <laughs> nice. Now just knocking down my list, make sure that uh whenever I do leave, uh I don't leave my workload for someone else. Not bad. What yeah, about got, you? Oh, man, I've been working on actually a couple projects. I don't know if I can talk about them exactly, but a couple ammonia projects, maybe installing a glycol chiller, uh, adding a glycol chiller to a existing ammonia system, and I don't know, just some various other business-related tasks. Really, not very exciting. Sounds exciting. <laughs> Does it? Maybe the planning I mean, doesn't sound not exciting. Not the planning, but, but the work. Yeah, oh yeah that, the work that you have for us. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. We need that. Hey, I got a question on your evaporator coil cleaning. You use that Subco... Porter Blaster? Yeah, the Porter Blaster. Yeah, actually me and Chad bought them about a year ago. Yeah. Hey, Subco, not a sponsor. Not yet. Not yet. If you're listening. Mm -hmm. But no, um, there's a lot of places that you can't get any water to. So we just fill up a five-gallon bucket, and it's got pretty good pressure. You Um, mean like there's not a hose bib or something close by within a water hose range? Exactly, so you can run coil cleaner through it too. So it's 
pretty nice. I is mean, it like a pressure washer? It is like a enough pressure, pressure, like a pressure washer? Yeah, yeah. it's got like about a hundred and twenty psi. Dang, it's actually good. pretty good. You can run it off. Like we have the one ten volt outlets in our truck. You can run them off of that. So if you don't have, is it battery operated? No, no, no. It's no just, it's oh, never mind. Milwaukee, you need to get on that. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, I know. So how long is a five-gallon bucket of water or cleaner or whatever you're um, running through your last? <clears throat> I've washed some pretty big evaporator coils with, like, a um, five-gallon bucket, and there's still some left over. Yeah, there's two, two different settings on it. So you have an evaporator setting, which is a lower pressure, and then a condenser setting, which is a higher pressure. So five-gallon bucket lasts a pretty good amount of time. Clean, hmm. like, two units maybe. Yeah, I saw that today on the picture. I know you guys use that, but I haven't really ever checked it out. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. So maybe there's something out, somebody out there looking for something like that, make their job a little easier. Small, portable. All the accessories fit inside the bottom of the unit, so they don't get broken or anything like the wand. Yep. Fits inside. Is it a metal wand or plastic? Yeah, it's wand a or? plastic handle with a metal wand. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Interesting. All right. I guess we'll uh, come up with something interesting to talk about here. <laughs> and I saw a, uh, a post on Facebook that kind of sparked all this, but somebody was asking about the the dumbest things you've ever done. <laughs> but before that, I think also we'll talk about uh, proficiency in your job and how long you think that you guys took to get proficient at doing whatever, you know, refrigeration, out of, coming out of school, learning the refrigeration cycle, and then actually being on the job. How long do you think it took you to actually – Go out on a job by yourself and feel like you weren't completely lost. Chad, you still have that feeling? Um, sometimes, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> not going to lie. Uh, some of the stuff we deal with, you never know what you're getting into. But um, I would say probably started here in 2016. Um, still pretty fresh. So, And the refrigeration aspect, some of the bigger refrigeration was um, still new to me. So I would say probably within the last couple of years, um, it's gotten to the point where I can go to a call no matter what it is and not really be afraid of it or anything like that, just trying to figure it out. So, But again, still learning every day. It's always something new. Um, so still still going. What about you, Ruben? Um, so when I first came out of school, I had... What year was that? Uh, six, uh, 17, 2017. Okay. It's only a couple of years ago. Um, but when I first came out, I, I had an understanding and I had, uh, uh, what I guess what you would call like a mechanical mindset or something where you can kind of, uh, decipher what you're looking at. And, and, uh, it, I picked up pretty quick on stuff like, uh, if a contactor, uh, was bad or if it really was bad or if you had a, a breaker tripped or uh, some of the basic stuff I did pick it up pretty quick but some of the more advanced stuff did take me uh, probably at least two years to fully understand um, sometimes it's easy to um, uh, mistake an undercharged system with a dirty coil for a bad TXV like I uh, experienced here when I was at TDI <laughs> last year. No. no refrigeration. Two years. Yeah, that's uh, that that was on a refrigeration uh, freezer. Um, and so so some of the more advanced stuff did take me maybe uh, probably about 
two years or at least. Yeah, but so some of the more basic uh, concepts and troubleshooting uh, methods, I, I kind of did pick up pretty quick. But You're a special case, though. So. Uh, not so much. What about you, Ulysses? Uh, well, for me, coming out of school, being so young, I think it just took me a while. It took me like four or five years because uh, I wasn't 100% invested in the trade. I was still young, so I just wanted to go to work come home forget about work but now my wife is like you better <laughs> don't look up any work stuff when you come home it's you know family time <laughs> which i understand but now i'm you know interested and i think once you get past that point the learning will come faster yeah i think that's a pretty big uh piece of advice that a lot of and i saw that on that facebook post too was uh somebody said you know take Anything you install, take the manual home and or read it. Then I mean, some of these things are not a page long. Like it doesn't take that long to read them. But you and I've seen guys, or not personally seen them, but I know of people that like they would take all those manuals and put them in a binder and have them always, you know, because you don't know when that stuff goes away and you're working on something that's twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years old and stuff's not around. I mean, we saw that compressor manual that was like fifty years old, Fair right? Frick. You know, this stuff's pretty cool and it's not always available. Uh, I'd say for myself, the, I can remember being, I think it was around the five year mark actually where, I mean, I, like I, I was on by myself fixing stuff before that, but I remember this conversation I had with the, one of the other techs and I was like, I don't know if this stuff is getting easier or if I'm getting smarter or what the case is, but it just seemed like it was almost overnight where it all fell into place in my head like what was going on in different parts of the system at the same time. Like when I was before, when I was young, not wasn't young, but when I was new to the trade, I could concentrate on what was going on at that one specific time at that one specific place in the system. But I couldn't really wrap my head around the whole system at one time. Like, okay, I have this problem, but what else is going on in the rest of the system that could be contributing to this problem? So I just feel like around somewhere around that five year mark was whenever it kind of, and luckily, I guess that's right about the time that I was really by myself too. Like I had nobody else to lean on when I moved to Texas, but myself. So it was around that time that I was like, okay, I can go to pretty much anything and not be too overwhelmed with it. But I definitely remember like there was a time that the switch flipped and everything kind of started coming together and falling into place. And I think that's a big part of why a lot of companies ask for like five years of experience too. And I don't think that's like a, a fluke. And I know people get kind of irritated about that whenever they're coming out of school and trying to find a job and all these places say five years of ex experience. And I don't think that's just like an arbitrary number. I think that's actually, you know, a pretty good place for when somebody's been doing something for that long, they actually get it and you can trust them to send them out by themselves and, then there's people that have been doing it for 20, 30 years and, mm. you know, they never get it. But I, I do think that's a good starting point for companies whenever they're trying to find somebody. And if they've lasted that, that long, then pretty good chance that they're going to be knowledgeable in that area. But I will say, and I don't think that we said this in the last podcast either. Um, we're by no means experts in everything refrigeration or HVAC. I mean, we have this podcast that we've started up, but, I don't think any of us here would say that we're 
you know, the end all be all for refrigeration or HVAC. We're just trying to, to learn all this stuff too. Um, and we talk about it all the time and we get in arguments about it and, <laughs> you know, it just is what it is, but we're not, we're not, uh, experts, but we're just uh, along for the ride trying to learn. We made plenty of mistakes along the way. And that's, I think the biggest, uh, learning opportunities come from the mistakes you make. Agreed. Definitely. One thing that, uh, Ulysses, um, mentioned earlier and, uh, I believe it's 100% true is when he said he wasn't fully invested in the trade. Um, I've met some guys that are, uh, I call them nine to five techs. They, they go to work. They, <laughs> not you, Chad. He doesn't work till five. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, uh, some of these guys will um, uh, go to work, uh, do their job, go home, and they just drop their pack once, once they get home and, uh, what really will separate uh, a lot of techs from um, other technicians is that they'll, I don't want to say take your work home with you, but if you had uh, a system uh, give you some trouble that day, that's the perfect time for you to read up on uh, whatever you were having trouble with. For example, if, if you're having trouble with a defrost clock then when you get home read up on the defrost clock or read up on set points or termination or whatever and that's the perfect time because it's fresh in your mind and um a lot of these guys don't they'll just um wake up the next day go to work and not even and still have problems yeah, the next exactly. defrost clock they're on across you can yep. watch a lot of youtube there's a lot of good information that's the way to, are you trying to plug rookie? your channel right now no rookie no oh, yeah you can watch rookie no, refrigeration actually when when i when i graduated um HVAC school I I actually I don't want to say the word locked myself in my room but I I watched so much um YouTube and I read so many um I just I just googled everything that I wanted to learn and it was for about a period of about four or five months that I because like I said down in Brownsville you really couldn't get a job and there's nothing to do yeah, it was it was really it was really boring, and I was really trying to get into refrigeration. This is before uh, I came and worked for Cameron here at TDI, but uh, I spent several days. It took me about three days to to learn how a Paragon defrost clock worked because I was by myself. I my nobody that I knew worked in refrigeration, so I spent a lot of time on YouTube watching. Like NorCal Dave or AC Service Tech, um, HVAC with Alex, Ulysses before I met him. Um, and that's where I got most of my information. And unfortunately, it took me a while to get it just because I had no nobody to bounce my ideas back off of, of whatever I had read or, or seen. So Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the last one I was talking about where you have the experiences with the equipment, it's, it's a lot harder to wrap your head around something whenever you're reading it out of a book and mm-hmm. you're not actually don't have the physical thing, you know, especially somebody yeah. like you said yourself, you were really mechanically inclined. And I think that a lot of people like that, uh, you know, reading stuff out of a book doesn't always do it justice when you can get your hands on it and take some measurements or, you know, just see how the thing works rather exactly. than trying to read it out of a book. I had like a really good, opportunity when i first started here because i worked in a facility that i won't name but it had as two racks it was a uh well it was actually four racks it was three copeland racks and a bitzer rack and that was my account 
and I had like free reign for better or worse. I mean, I had free reign of that place to do whatever I want at any time. And I made so many mistakes there. I, I, I can't even begin to, uh, you know, count how many mistakes I made. I, I spent so many hours on my own time because I would do stupid stuff at two o'clock in the afternoon and break something. And I would be there until two in the morning trying to fix it. And I, you know, I felt like it was my responsibility because I shouldn't have been touching it. it. So I would stay and fix it. But I learned so much from that because I had to, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was a little bit further out of town. So it wasn't like I could call somebody up and they could be there in 10, 20 minutes. I mean, it was an hour and a half for most of the guys to drive down there. So, I mean, I I can't even remember, like, all the stuff, but they had E2s. I mean, I know that a lot of the racks around here, I think, have E2s on them, and I love those things, and I would try to reprogram stuff and make it better, and a lot of times made it worse, and then just try again, you know? Yeah, E2s are nice and easy to navigate, but I'm not sure I'd get into the programming. I'm not properly trained for that. Do you? Well, I guess in your... You probably yeah, have and, and, I wasn't properly trained and, either. Well, plus we're not allowed to change any set points or parameters at certain locations. Well, you got two weeks to to learn try, to learn before <laughs> you leave. Yeah. What's the biggest mistake you've made, Ulysses? Uh, in life or personal? <laughs> <laughs> I made a few, but at work, one that really sticks out was uh, we built a pneumonia facility. And we started up a freezer. It wasn't coming down a temp, but there's a lot of screens that were plugged up. Which is kind of typical. So typical of a new system. All the valve stations for the coils are on the roof. So basically you have your liquid line, suction line, isolation valves, hot gas, solenoid valves on the roof, typically right above the coil and... I'm working on the furthest coil from the ladder axis. It's a pretty big roof. So um, I pull the, I pump it down, uh, release any vapor um, into the atmosphere. It's okay, EPA. It's just ammonia. <laughs> um, Less than 100 pounds. So I go downstairs, pull the TXV out, take it to my truck. Strainer's pretty plugged. Clean it up. Go back. Put it together. It's freezing in there. I don't have any gloves on. And I'm struggling to get the bolt on because there's an insulation jacketing right next to the flange. So I finally get it on. Go up on the roof. uh, Purge. Purge. A little bit of purge. Um, Then I I can hook up to the system remotely. So I pull my phone out. And basically, I'm looking to make sure there's no leaks because it's just me. I don't have anyone down there in the freezer. So I start to open the liquid. As I'm looking at my phone, I see the PPM um, count going up. Each room in that facility has an ammonia sensor and a horn and strobe. So I'm looking down and not really thinking I'm going to see anything. It goes up to 50 
to a hundred <laughs> to one fifty, and I start kind of freaking out. So I called the guy who runs that place, and I'm like, "Hey, get everyone out of the freezer. It's gonna get stinky." So I quickly pump it down again, release any ammonia out of that coil. I go downstairs, mind you, it's pretty good walk. As soon as I come down to the wait, hallway, you were walking. What, why am I going to run at that point? As soon as I'm walking down the hallway, I can. I took a little whiff, and I'm like, "Oh no, what I do?" Uh, you wait. So, so, so I question. Um, yes. Put it into perspective. What is a hundred ppm's in ammonia? Is that bad? Um. Yeah, your eyes will start to burn. Maybe at what three hundred. Uh, if you're a worker in the plant, well, your yeah. eyes start to burn. You yeah, start to vomit like ammonia, three, 3 ppm. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so it was pretty bad then. So I went down there. I finally, I guess I didn't put the TXV on back right, obviously. <laughs> so it was the TXV. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. I blame the TXV. So I finally got it back on after we <clears throat> we had to air out the freezer this guy was on me about we're gonna have to throw away all this product in here. Mind you, this is a pretty big freezer, so I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna get fired today. <laughs> <laughs> That's my last day. That's funny. So get it back together. Before I leave, the guy's like, "Come here, I need to talk to you." I'm like, "Oh my god!" So we have to sit down and have a meeting. I have to fill out a report, what I did wrong, and what you know what I need to do in the future at that facility to make sure it doesn't happen. So from now on, we can't work there Monday through Friday, or we can't open the system Monday through Friday. It's got to be on a weekend when no one's there, but you live and you learn. So you learned a couple lessons. Yes. So basically I learned. Don't open the liquid first. (laughs) Don't, don't turn the liquid on first. Test with vapor and hurry up and turn the sensor off. <laughs> if before, all else fails, override the, the sensor. En- before the engine room shuts down. Yeah. I got to that, though. So luckily the system didn't shut down, which wasn't really a big concern. But I had one like that. I'm sure. I love this story. So I, w- I was working at a meat packing plant, and um, they had a big flooded dock coil. Uh, ammonia coil and I'm not sure if the EPA is listening to this or not but you're not supposed to do what I did but they didn't have a, a oil pot on the dock coil it just had a surge drum and nothing else and so this coil because there's a low spot in the piping would get full of oil or logged with oil and it wouldn't work very well so I decided to take my jet pump and hook it up to the low spot Low point in the piping. What's a jet pump? Uh, jet pump is an eductor pump, and it uses venturi to uses the water venturi to pull ammonia vapor out of whatever vessel or coil. It's just basically like a vacuum pump, but it works off of water. <clears throat> so I took my jet pump and I hooked it up, and I'm pumping down this big dock coil. But what I didn't know was that the water pressure wasn't that great in this facility. And so I'm going right down into the drain. And also what I didn't know is all the drains are interconnected to every room in this facility. And is that including the bathrooms? (laughs) (laughs) That's not the bathroom story, but yeah. So uh, I'm going along, pumping it down. And all of a sudden I start to smell a little bit 
and I noticed that my water pressure just totally dropped off, like significantly dropped off, like zero water at all. So just ammonia down so the drain. So I was basically pumping down oil and ammonia like straight down the drain without any water at all. And I was like, you know, I don't know. I was maybe like three or four years in whenever I did that. So I was like, I don't know what to do. So don't do that. So, so I tell the doc guys, I'm like, hey, it's gonna get a little stinky in here, <laughs> to say the least. And then all of a sudden, I went to. I remember I was on the dock, so I was gonna go into the building and see. I, I, I valved everything off. Obviously, I turned everything off, and I was like, oh, that wasn't too bad. And I, I went to open the door to go into the facility, and when I op- before I opened the door, the door swung open at me, and there was just people coming out of the door like as fast as possible. They're all like hunkered over, like running for their running. lives. People were jumping off of the dock out into the parking lot. And I was just like, oh my God. I was the same way. I'm like, I'm about to get fired. That's it. Today's my last day. Just take my truck right to the shop and drop it off. And there was luckily no, no major repercussions from that, but it's same thing. We had to air it all out and, it was the a bad fire deal, department get notified? Oh, heck no. Not thankfully. No. Need, needless to say that every time we jet something down now, we make sure we know where the uh, floor drains are going. Yeah, it's pretty somewhat. big in my head to yeah. not smoke out the whole facility. I think I had a couple. The one time I was cutting ammonia coil that was uh, in the freezer. It had been valved off for years. Like, I'm talking years. And I don't know why, uh, or do I know why? Yeah, I do know why. So they had a coil that was hung over a door, and it kept freezing up all the time because the door seals were jacked, and the coil would just freeze up all the time. So we were going to shut that coil down, and we were going to get this other coil online that had been offline because it had a leak in it. So the co- the whole system runs in a vacuum. It had been off- valved off for years, and but this freezer is uh, like minus 10. So I went up there with the, we were going to cut out some of the circuits and just weld the circuits back. And then it was going to be, you know, whatever capacity it was, not, not a hundred percent, but we were going to get it up and running. So I went up there with the Sawzall and I was like, I'm just going to cut this tube right here. And as soon as I, as soon as like the saw got into the, you know, into the pipe, I was like, Oh, skin stinky. Yeah. I was like, I don't, (laughs) That was not right. You know, something just triggered in my head. Like, you couldn't really smell anything yet, but I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing. Because I felt like, a, you know, my hands are right there, so the I warmth. felt a little burnt. Yeah, yeah, I was in minus 10 freezer, and I felt a little warm, tingly feeling. My spidey senses were going off. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, <sighs> ammonia cloud. Well, not, I shouldn't say cloud. Maybe it was a little bit of a cloud. But it was a lot of ammonia coming out of that coil. I mean, I think I've been sitting there for years just probably waiting for... For someone it was waiting for me so yeah we had to air that one out too that was a pretty bad asked ruben about his one ammonia experience with me no thanks <laughs> why do all of our bad stories revolve around ammonia we should because ammonia is awesome we're not putting this in a very good light no we're not actually well <clears throat> like i said in the previous uh podcast i've never worked on ammonia not even here at TDI, but one time uh, Ulysses, uh, I forgot how it goes, but he called me and said, uh, come and help me. Yeah, come and help me take some of these uh, pipes off of this uh, 
What was that called? The dissociator? Yeah, it's an ammonia oven. It, uh, you put ammonia through it, and it breaks it down back to hydrogen and nitrogen. Yeah, so so I go over there and help him, and uh, he's already got the system open to atmosphere. It's already been vented, and he we, he needs help taking off this uh, 90. It was two 90s, right? It made like a Z. In a union, a Z, yeah, kind of like a like a ninety. Oh, okay. I, I, imagine a, okay, <laughs> not necessarily a Z, but like a <laughs> like a Z. Not um, a Z, but a Z. Yeah, but but it was already open to to atmosphere, and uh, yeah, Ulysses is like, oh, I already vented it. Let's start taking these freaking nineties off, and I start helping him because he's on top of a ladder, and I'm behind him on the damn ladder, and uh, I guess I shouldn't have said that, but that's all right. Edit, okay, bleep, bleep. <laughs> So so I'm helping him take these uh these 90s off of this um it's not cast iron it's what is it uh carbon steel. steel carbon steel, steel, steel yeah Black carbon pipe. steel pipe and um as soon as we remove that 90 that was already uh open to atmosphere it's we both get pipe. hit yeah it was a what like 2 incher yeah yeah so we both get hit with somehow a vapor ammonia um up on top of a what was it like six eight foot ladder? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, was like, on, right? I was like, catch me, Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> and we were both su- good surprised. Thing, good thing it wasn't Ru- you trying to catch Ruben. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't kick me off and just land on me. Would have been a soft we land in there. We just looked at each other and we we're like, what just happened? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it it actually chokes you up. You can't breathe. There's and nothing you can do. At that yeah, point. and it was. It was supposed to be clear, but it's like minimal vapor is all it absolutely. takes. Absolutely, yeah, that was pretty bad. Have you ever made a mistake, Chad? That you would care to admit about? Uh, um, no, nothing, nothing too major. Um, I remember I dropped a compressor off of a ladder one time. That's standard, though. <laughs> yeah, and then I installed it, and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't for the reason that I thought it was. So I was pretty fresh at that time here at TDI Refrigeration. Um, had only installed a few compressors, but um, I had an injured back and unfortunately had to carry the compressor up the ladder. What um, else made you do that? It was, Dude, it was like a, a fractional uh, horsepower uh, compressor. All right, Johnny. <laughs> Anyways, um, it wasn't that high, but um, ended up slipping off my shoulder and falling down probably, I don't know, six or seven feet. So I got it up on the roof, got it installed, went to fire it up, and pretty much just went, <laughs> so I was like, Dang. called called Cameron. It ended up being that his contractor wasn't wired correctly, so it was, uh, it was still working after you dropped it. Hopefully, <laughs> like uh, a never curtain. got a call. It was back. just a convenience <laughs> store, so I mean, I would assume it's still working. Uh, uh, if it's a convenience store, I'd assume it's not still working. Well, yeah, it's probably been this changed was like twice. In, yeah, this was a BFE. Um, unfortunately, I left my impact there and never went back for it because we had never been back but it was a dewalt so that's okay yeah yeah. i would have left that on purpose right you guys ever been shocked like a good shock yes tell me about that first time when i first started and we replaced the compressor (laughs) so um we were at this account ulysses had just started and it was a carrier unit i believe um I think it was 208, 233 phase. Was it 460? Yeah, it was 460. Um, anyways, it was three phase, and we 
uh, we're both putting in this compressor. Uh, it was a pretty long haul up on the roof, so we were both over there. Got it all put in, pulled a vacuum, charged up, fired it up. It ran great for probably about a day or two. Great. It ran great. It ran great. <laughs> day or two, um, went back out there. It ended up that it was a single-phase compressor. <laughs> Tripped the breaker. Yeah. yeah. So it was. Uh, that was definitely an interesting one that we probably should have. Would you call it a burnout? We overlooked something. Yeah. That was something. a data tag. So yeah. pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. Always, always double-check your uh, voltages and phases when you pick up compressors from the supply I'm houses. I'm surprised, though, that it ran. A single-phase 208 compressor on a 460 three-phase unit. Fired up. Don't try that at home, boys. Ramford. Oh, it fired hours. up. All right. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't fire. It burned, burned down. Yeah, that was an interesting one. That is Definitely. funny. All right, so back to my question. Have you been shocked? One too many times. Really? Yeah. No, like a good shock, though. Like, yeah, like not like, okay. booty. Here's one. Not uh, with 24 That I remember. That's, uh, that sucks the worst. It's 24 it was, volts. It was on a Friday. I was about to leave. I had dropped my screwdriver inside this train unit. Me being a dummy, didn't shut the power off. So I'm like, all right, well, I got to go. So let me just reach in here real quick. Next thing I know is I'm I'm on my butt. And I'm like, what happened? And my leg was hurting like someone had dead-legged me. But obviously I got shocked with two lines of power. But, yeah, it, it threw me back on my butt. That's probably the worst. I mean, I've been shocked by 120. 24 yep. volts will get you when you're sweating in an yeah. attic. It'll get you. But, I mean, nothing like that. I've, ne- I've never felt 24 volts. It'll be honest. 115 uh, a whole lot of times. I remember there's one time uh, all my stories will probably go back to when I was brand new and I really wanted to learn. So I would offer my services to friends for next to nothing. And so I go to my buddy's house, and he has a, a dirty evaporator coil and a dirty blower wheel on this little, like, two-ton split system. So what do I do? I pull the evaporator, uh, wash it out, brace it back in, and I pull the the blower housing with the wheel and everything in, and I wash it. And I I put put it back in, and what when I'm wiring up the the motor... The way this guy's house is old, so he didn't have a breaker to shut off the power to the air handler. So when I'm sticking my arm in the air handler to um to you know connect the the fan back, I end up touching both legs on the um, on the transformer. So I got like 240 volts on my right arm, and it actually grabbed me and jolted me like six or seven times on. I, it's hard to explain. I, I can picture it now, though. It, yeah, <laughs> but the, just the use funny, your imagination. You know. But the funniest part is that it. Let's it, reenact this for you. Yeah, too. hold on. I, well, I'm doing it right now. So, and it grabs me and it, it it jolts my arm like six or seven times, and then when it did let me go, I make this freaking. I still remember this noise. It was something like. Ah! <laughs> I can totally see that, uh, and and I. I step back and I just I'm like, what happened? And my buddy's not even there. So if that thing would have actually like caught me, I would have probably been stuck in there because this guy was outside working on his car or something while I was working on the AC. But that was probably my worst one, and that was like full 240. So Dang, you're a man, dude. No, no thanks. I don't, I don't ever want to feel that again. I've been hit one good time. Uh, it was. 
previous to this job when I was working out in California. Um, we used to work on FCBs, which is the frozen carbonated beverage machines. So slurpy machines. Oh, I was going to say, that's uh, a fancy name for a slurpy machine. More, uh, yeah, us Texans will know them as the margarita machines, the pre-mixed oh, margarita yeah. machines. Those are good. Um, the unit had not, the electrician not, had not grounded the unit in the J box and something had happened inside the unit and it was the whole unit was being powered. So I went to remove the cover and it, it caught me and held on for a little bit of time. Um, and then once it let me go, dropped down to my knees, uh, store actually called the ambulance. It was, it was pretty gnarly, but to go to the hospital, I did end up going to the hospital. They did an EKG. They did all that. I heard you're supposed to get like an EKG. I didn't know that. And, uh, yeah, when I got hit, I just went home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> if you don't tell anybody, it didn't happen. I didn't so. feel like working anymore, so EKG <laughs> sounded fine to me. I was at a, I was at an ammonia plant, but I, I was new. I, I didn't know anything about ammonia at the time, and so they had me uh, replacing an exhaust fan, or I wasn't replacing an exhaust fan. I was like rebuilding an exhaust fan, like you know, putting a new shaft and bearings and all that st- stupid stuff on it. Like when you should replace an exhaust fan. Yep. So I got the I got everything rebuilt, and there's a uh, proving switch on the inside of the exhaust fan, so that the building panel or the system panel knows that the exhaust fan is is or isn't working. It'll that's actually their whole reason why we rebuilt it because it was telling everybody that the exhaust fan is not working. So I I don't know exactly what. Well, I do know what happened. So it had 120 volts going to it, and the the stupid switch had um, it was a metal box, and it had the two terminals. You couldn't get the cover on without like wiggling it back and forth, and it had the metal box on the outside. So I I put I was like, dang man, I knew it was I knew it was hot, but I didn't know. Like I, I was like, oh, I can get it on here, you know, like stupid (laughs) famous last words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I put the I put the cover on it, and as soon as I, like, clipped down, you know, like, the positive, like, okay, it's on there, my finger just was on fire. It was like, pow, and my my finger was on fire, and my arm was hurting, and I was like, man, that sucked. And I, like, I was, like, up on the roof by myself, you know, like, oh, man, my, my arm is killing me right now. Well, then I go down the ladder, and I hear the worst sound ever. The silent engine room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hear nothing except for I do hear beep, and everything just powers down. Okay. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, dude! I'm I'm in so much trouble. Like they're gonna kill me." <laughs> so of course I didn't call anybody when I probably should have. But I opened up the breaker panel and I was like, "All right, well I must have tripped the breaker whenever I got shocked." to have everything powered down like that because it must have been the control power or whatever. So I just go opening up breaker panels, like, all around. And finally I found one breaker that was tripped, you know, powered it back on, and then at that point it didn't just restart because you got to go restart it. So then I, I called my buddy, and he was able to log in online and restart everything. But, yeah, that was, like, not only was the worst, it wasn't even that bad of a shock. It was just going down the ladder and not hearing the system running anymore and going, oh, crap, I've really done it this time. That's the worst sound ever, or the lack of sound. Yep. Yeah. 
Have you slept in your van? Uh, yeah, but I was sick. It was <laughs> pre-corona. I had a seal, uh, some penetrations. Uh, they had some water leaking from the suction line. And me being a trooper that I am, went to work that day. And <clears throat> I was pretty sick. I'm not sure what I had. probably just flu. Anyways, I sealed it. I could barely crawl over there. Mind you, this is like a probably like a two-foot cross space above a, a freezer box. Seal it up. I think I told Cameron, I'm like, dude, I don't feel good. I'm going to sit here for a little bit. So I got done with that, and then I probably slept for like 30 minutes and then went home. Have you ever slept at a job site overnight? Mm, no. Usually I'm working <laughs> overnight. Yes. Recently, right? Uh, a few times, actually. Uh, yeah, I woke him up. Um, we had an issue at the account, the ammonia account that we built, where uh, the f- starter on the Frick compressor had gone bad. So that was a heck of a time trying to figure that figured out and keep the system running because um, it just kept shutting down. That was one time. That was um, one time. <laughs> yeah, the other time recently. Yeah, no, at one of our other new ammonia accounts that we... Um, it's an old plant. Yeah, it's new a, to us. Very old plant. Um, but we just had issues of um, the accumulator high leveling, and that was just a process trying to get everything figured out. There was multiple issues with the system that we ultimately ended up figuring out, but um, did have to stay overnight and, and keep the system running. But, um, you know, got a little bit of sleep in the truck, but... And then you get a trucker coming over and knocking on your window saying that you need to move because he's got to get his <laughs> trailer in there. So you get like five minutes of sleep and gets interrupted. But, um, yeah, done that a few times. That's when you're a real refrigeration tech. That's what I was going to say. Cameron always says you're not a real refrigeration I tech until I'm you not, sleep I'm in not your trailer. Not a real refrigeration. refrigeration. Have you slept in your van? Not more than like 15 minutes, not maybe. Not a break. Like in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about before like when I get to work? Before I start to work? <laughs> no, like... Um, a couple months back I had an on-call weekend where it was just non-stop and I got called out pretty early to a uh, supermarket store and uh, I get there and I I check in and I sit in my van and I don't know how long I slept but I did fall asleep I was just so tired um, I mean I, I think it was only maybe 15-20 minutes but I, I really don't know. And he determined that was a lie. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Two hours later. <laughs> Keyword, I think. <laughs> Man, I slept in my van so many... Oh, I, that was when we had vans. And I would I would huddle up in my freezer suit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, my van was never clean because my van's never clean. And I would clean out the back and I would put on my freezer suit and lay in the back. And then I would wake up like every thirty minutes, and I would like Peck your head sit up, out. you know, a little bit, and make sure everything's like, running. Hear that little whine of mm-hmm. the compressors. I'm like, okay, let me go back to sleep for a little bit more. And then normally it was something going on, like that, you know, I probably couldn't figure out, or uh, I need, I was just trying to keep the system running and not yeah. keep it shutting down until somebody could come down and help me out. And then my buddy Anthony would always bring a, a monster and. You know, a burrito, a breakfast burrito, or something. He'd knock on the door and like, man, I just got like thirty minutes of sleep. Like, let's just get after it and figure out what's going on. But yeah, I slept in my van a bunch more than I care to admit. I think that's a true friend. Yeah, he's a good friend. Monster and a burrito. 
But yeah, he was. Those are good stories. But you have any uh, good ones like where you fix something that nobody else could fix? Yeah, I have a few. Uh, one was recently. What was that a um, department store that rhymes with Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> They've had no air conditioning for the past, I don't know, months maybe. So, yeah, the thing was off for thirty days. Well, the was the secondary one was off for thirty. Okay, days. so they have two chillers, uh, two old like nineteen ninety six or seven RTHA. Mind you, I've never worked on any water-cooled chillers. I've worked on a bunch of air-cooled chillers, but Carrier gave them a quote. Train, something happened with the train. They haven't been paid, so they don't want to go there. So they called me to look at it. First time I look at it, I'm like, what is, I mean, I know what a chiller looks like, (laughs) but I've never uh, seen this type of chiller. So I was like, hmm. I guess it was, uh, they had quoted a leak repair on the motor terminals. Um, so me, Chad, Cameron, Austin helped out, finally got that running. And it was just good to do a big job like that, that I guess other companies for some reason couldn't do. But we found several other leaks. We had to take off the suction economizer piping, get that welded. It was rusted through the um, filter dryer casing was rusted through um after that the oil differential switch was bad so i had to come back and replace that but what we got it up and running i guess all the employees were super happy because it was like 81 82 in there so when i walked in there the day after and i was like man it feels good in here Thanks to me. I mean, even after <laughs> even after we got it up and running, they yeah, were and, immediately we walked down there and and, and they were grateful. Yeah, that uh, there's this lady that worked in the furniture section. Furniture section. She was real thankful. Yeah, I was like, it's not nice. Us? No. Okay. It's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry. This is just what I do. It's what I do day in and day <laughs> this out. This is amid the coronavirus. We don't give hugs. Oh, that's right. No contact. Air, air hug before the masks. Yeah, but now people don't know how to hug people. You can air hug people, though. I'm good. You want to air hug? <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> have you have you done anything uh, super cool, Ruben? Um, I've done something where I I pissed employees off more than they already were. Oh, if, tell me. If that counts. I get a call for a... Uh, supermarket rack uh the rack is down it's the medium temp rack so all the all the meat and cheese and dairy and everything all the produce everything's uh high temping somehow i get the call by the time i get there it's already been down like three or four hours i don't know how that happened but i get on site and all of the employees are starting to unload every single medium temp case in the store so they're already probably more than halfway done, and I said, "All right, well, I'm, I'll be back in the uh, I'll be back in the rack room, and I'll I'll see what I find." I go up there. Um, takes me about I don't know about thirty forty five minutes to find out that there was uh, one of the set points was wrong in the uh, E two, <laughs> so the condenser uh, the the high the high limit point set point was wrong, so I had to raise it to what it was for that refrigerant and as soon as i did the entire rack came back up i 
you know, I did a couple of things up there just to, you know, control the load on it. But as soon as I uh, got it all up, all up and running and everything was coming down the temp, I go downstairs and these employees are literally just finishing emptying out all the cases. <laughs> and I go to the manager and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, um, you can go ahead and load it. Yeah, that. you can go ahead and load it. I mean, everything's good. And, and the employees are literally looking at the manager and looking at me and they're just like, so do we take these carts to the freezer? I was say, how many carts did they have? <laughs> they had up? a lot of carts. <laughs> this is a, a big chain store, so um, there was a lot of product that moved. There was uh, probably about fifteen employees moving a whole lot of product, and as soon as they see me come back down, they were they were pretty upset, say the least. Dang, so, you, you ruined their day. I did, <laughs> and it was already like a uh, seven or eight at night or something. Like they wanted to go home. Oh, guess what? So do I. And I'm out. <laughs> and I'm still <laughs> out. I am going My home. job here is <laughs> Houston. Exactly. You had one recently. I don't know if you even were thinking of it, but you had one where we were working on those uh, flooded coils, the hot room. And we had been struggling with this thing and struggling with this thing. Oh, and we couldn't figure out. And I was sitting there. We're, you, we were all three. Uh, there was two flooded uh, coils in this room like really tight spot and we turned the liquid back on and i was like man this thing is not filling up like i it should you should hear it filling up and you, know, you guys are like oh no something's wrong you know so and i'm like just, just go check everything again it was checking hours strainers and then chad's like i'm just gonna go up on the roof and check again and all of a sudden like five minutes later we hear the liquid come on and we were so happy we were dancing. Yeah, that was a mind you. This is a beef kill floor, so the cooling on it is pretty important. But yeah, it was. Um, not sure if it was the hand expansion valve or just another shut off, but it somebody was, had put a valve. Somewhere. Somebody had put a valve somewhere, somewhere in the valve. liquid line, and it was hidden in the insulation, fully closed. Um, but it had been there for a while cause the hand wheel broke off, but, um, opened that up and had liquid oh, after that. <laughs> so voila. That, that was a good find. That was a good find. That was hours and hours of, uh, troubleshooting. Yeah. That was so, and mind you, those are very old evaporator coils. So they're, uh, that was a good time. I had one where we had been working on these two racks. This is about the same place that I lived at for a year, couple of years. And we had done a bunch of work there. And I don't know exactly. I kind of came on like we had done a bunch of retrofit work there. And I kind of came on towards the end of the actual retrofit that we did. We installed some new freezer coils and did a bunch of stuff to the racks, uh, put in new accumulators and a new receiver. And they had done something. I can't even really remember now, but they had tied in the two two of the racks together. The medium temp and the low temp rack were tied together on a common discharge line. And we were having a, a bunch of problems with oil in the racks. And then somebody got a bright idea that the helical separators that were already installed weren't doing a good job. So we were going to take everything, the common discharge line, and we were going to discharge it through a coalescing separator because the coalescing separator is going to do a way better job than these helical separators are going to do, which was apparently the thought. So we, we piped through the coalescer and still having the same problem. 
And I would, that's when like the sound of silence like comes from, cause I would just drive up in the morning and hope that the racks are still on. Cause we were having all these oil problems. And what was going on was the medium temp rack would, would shut down. All the compressors would be out of oil and the low temp rack would be, sometimes it would be shut down if I didn't get there soon enough, but a lot of times it would still be running and I'm, I'm super new. And we weren't like a big rack refrigeration company. Like we we worked on racks, but it wasn't like something that we weren't like a supermarket company that saw racks all the time or whatever. So I was looking around, just reading everything. I, this goes back to like reading everything that you can find about a problem that you're having. I was reading everything I could find about oil management, basically, and rack systems. And... The way that it was set up was that the it came off of the separator and went to a reservoir, and then the reservoir fed the racks. But that reservoir was tied into the low temp rack off the check valve, so it was holding pressure above the low temp. But or maybe it's back. Maybe I have it backwards now. Maybe the low temp rack. No, it was the low temp rack was overfilling. So the pressure was by it was basically bypassing the medium temp rack, and it was shoving all the oil into the low temp rack, and so I was like, okay, well, I didn't really realize that that was the problem at the time, but I found this one keep right oil bulletin and they talked about high pressure oil and basically you eliminate the check valve off of the reservoir. And now you have high pressure oil coming off of the, the reservoir going to the racks and then you put in a, it's been a while, YZ 1234 valve, something like that. And basically that it's just an oil regulator valve. So we, I repiped everything. And I remember that I was going, it was like Thanksgiving or something. I was going out of town the next day. I hadn't had a vacation years and I was going out of town the next day. So I got down there, had the same problem. I bought, I went to the supply house, opened up the supply house, bought these valves, installed them on the rack. And after that, everything was golden. Superstar. Superstar. <laughs> and I left a big old puddle of oil. <laughs> and I got called and my boss at the time was like, dude, how could you leave all this oil all over the floor? I mean, I was in there brazing oil lines at like 3 a.m. And I had to leave at 6 a.m. to get home by like 730 so I could leave. And so I had called another guy and said, you know, hey, dude, like I fixed it, but there's a huge mess still. And I guess that message didn't get relayed. And so... There was like oil everywhere, and it was it was a pretty big mess. But I was like, "Well, hey, no problem. You're welcome for fixing that. You're welcome you're for fixing that. Your axe uh, ex- don't shut down anymore. But yeah. that doesn't matter. The oil was still there. The you have to there. understand that. That that's and failure. You can never rely on somebody else. <laughs> that story just went to crap. Display. <laughs> Good job, Cameron. Hey, thanks, guys. Anyway, I think that's getting uh, near the end of this one. Next week. I haven't got a confirmation back yet, but I'm hoping that uh, Damon from Pro Chiller is going to be on, and we're going to talk about craft beer and chillers. Actually, I think they're getting into like some CBD to CBD oil stuff too. So maybe mm, he'll talk about interesting. that. Interesting. That and is interesting. We will see you on the next one. And I got the voice man for radio. You know what I'm saying? He's recording. Senor. Dude.